you are here in this particular moment because of all the choices we made. We have an idea and there is this actual reality that we're living. So when you're living in this reality, you did your very, very best given the circumstances and the situations. You cannot live in a hypotheticals. That is my number one thing that I would like to say, no matter what the situation is, whatever has happened up to now, if you're approaching or already in menopause, it's okay. You're not trying to convince anybody, including yourself, that you could have done better. Please accept that as the beautiful gift of life that you lived up to now. Being a woman in the yogic culture is one of the most powerful evolutionary gifts that uh, it brings. Prakash Shigu is a spiritual alchemist, a yogi mystic, healer, mentor, and an internationally renowned Kundalini yoga teacher. He is a conscious entrepreneur and travels throughout the globe, managing businesses, teaching workshops, leading retreats, and consulting individuals, couples, families, as well as organizations of all types. Prakash draws upon his background in engineering technology with his experience growing up in India in a family rich in culture and traditions, where he became accustomed to mantras, chants, and of course yoga. These two disciplines are combined to culminate a transcendental experience for the student. Prakash often shares his knowledge of the deep-rooted Hindu traditions of Ayurveda, Jyotisha, Avastu, and of course Kundalini Yoga. Prakash is also a healer in ancient yogic technology called Satnam Rasayan. Translation, deep healing in the true identity. Very apropos on the topic of menopausal health and wellness, this episode is especially relevant for women navigating perimenopause. And it's a time when the transition should all be about embracing one's true identity. I, I don't even know where to begin. I'm just sitting here <laughs> talking to a mystic and a mentor and a healer. I feel like I'm in the presence of a greater power of the universe. Oh, you're very kind. Thank you. Your message to the women in the menopausal transition, understanding the hormones and finding balance is, is so key, particularly when we're living in a time where we're, we're cracking open the conversation around menopause. I'm starting to see so much more spiritual alignment and spiritual awakening. There's so much more interest in it now. And I clearly have seen the alignment for such a long time through my own personal journey, learning yoga, teaching yoga, learning a little bit about Ayurveda. Yoga has a sister science. It's called Ayurveda. And Ayurveda, by definition, means science of life or knowledge of life. And it, it's hard to take them apart because there's many aspects in what we consider yoga as a whole. There are tools that includes, okay, you have to eat this or you have to drink this on a regular system on a time for it to work for you. Sometimes generally perceived, especially from the Western mindset, moving your hands is only going to help your hands. 
But in yogic philosophy, moving your hands is actually helping your heart, your thymus gland, your uh, thyroid, and also supplementing your adrenals and also your uh, pineal and pituitary. So there's a, the balance of hormones that happens in our body is not separated or it, you cannot take one away from each other. Everything is a constant interplay between our emotions, between our body, between our energy. And also I would like to even go further and say between our past, present and future, because we carry the information of our past in our genetic material. And so, sometimes we, it's, it's been proven, especially in the recent times, the, about when we talk about epigenetics, it's not just what you bringing from your past, you can also change that in real time with the activities, with the information that you're doing. You can change it by listening to the right kind of music or right kind of information, right kind of diet, right kind of lifestyle that includes your sleeping habits, what time you wake up, what time you sleep, all of them are affecting every single thing aspect of your life. Our body is a masterpiece that is designed in such an elegant, powerful way, it learns to compensate itself no matter which way you're doing. The less sensitive you are, it takes a long time for you to understand because your body's compensating. The more sensitive you are, you can identify, your body will still compensate, but you, every time you're compensating something that happens in your body, like for example, if you hurt your right shoulder, you're putting more weight on your left. If you hurt your right leg, you're putting more weight on your left. Your body naturally balances to survive and compensate, but that's not healthy. So the same thing happens with your hormonal system. Okay. So you start taxing it consistently because you don't get enough sleep, so you are tired. So what does it happen? Your adrenals start kicking in. So your adrenals are working so hard, it doesn't get enough rest, and you're getting, your body is getting taxed. It gives you symptoms and signs every step of the way, but most people are too busy on the rat race. So if your adrenals are getting taxed, what is the supplement is gonna get? Your thyroids. So it's a very common thing that we can notice in people, that people that are stressed and their adrenals are overworking, then the thyroids are overworking. And your thyroids are not designed to work or regulate the functions of your stress, so it breaks or it gets imbalanced. That's when you start to see thyroid conditions. It's a hook from one system to the other, one gland to the other, one component of our body, whether it's physical, emotional, energetic. And we try to say it's only emotional thing, but everything emotional is a biochemical compound. Every emotion is a biochemical compound and that stays in your body. And if okay. you don't process it and release it right away, it affects those organs and then it becomes a physical. It doesn't mm -hmm. take long, it can happen in a few seconds. If somebody's scared, they freeze. That is a physical right. reaction. So that's why I feel like uh, the concept of yoga, uh, what is the purpose? Like, do we want to increase our focus on the health of uh, the woman during the menopause? Or do you wanna extend or push the menopause even further, or you want to do the menopause as gracefully as possible because it's inevitable. So how do you manage that? Because it's all a function and the play of hormones. 
menopause in itself is such a stress, as you indicated, the hormones changing, and that causes so much stress in itself, the biological stresses. But finding our inner peace and that inner calm where we can gracefully age without fear, without the anxiety, without the added expectations that women put on themselves. What is so important about finding that inner peace? Is there something else that we can start with square one as we enter into the age of wisdom? Our society derives the inner peace from external situations. It's easy to say that, yes, you have to be independent and you have to draw your inner peace from everything and all that stuff. That is not practical advice. And that is why it becomes difficult when people say, oh, no matter what happens, you need to find your inner peace within yourself. Yes, it's an idealistic scenario, but that also takes a huge amount of presence and strength and practice to get there. So when people get advices like that, oh, in a relationship, you should be control of your emotions. It's not practical and it doesn't help anyone. It becomes such a cliched statement that people say. So we need to understand where we are. We live in a society when most people live in families, small, big, and when we're talking menopause, probably most people have a child or a few children, and some of them even may have grandchildren, depending upon when they're a family. There may be cases where there are women that haven't had the opportunity to have a child and that are approaching or just have already come to the place of a menopause. So that is a hard reality for them that they may not have a child in this lifetime. I mean, there's always procedures and stuff. So let's try to focus on the more larger scope of the scenarios. Okay. For most people, they have, let's say they have a family of some sort. See, our society has portrayed women and including women, women included, as able to bear a child is one of the most important aspects of a woman. And yes, woman is the portal uh, divine portal that connects the infinite and the finite, right? The only way the life is birthed is through a woman. So it's a beautiful gift. But at the same time, when women put the emphasis on that as the only thing, the minute they feel that's coming to an end, the possibility of having another child, that feels like they're huge, losing a huge part of themselves. Yeah. Right? And that is, yeah. that is not that doesn't have to be the case right mm -hmm. so once you understand whether you've had a child or you haven't had a child this is the phase you're coming into your life okay and again this seems like a little broader stroke but i think it helps people understand so oftentimes we're trying to define our life based on where we are at the moment and that takes an incredible amount of pressure on your present moment but no it's not you are here in this particular moment because of all the choices we made. And if that meant people chose career, if that meant they only could have one child, and if that meant they wanted to have more child and they couldn't because they couldn't find the right partner or the right stability, all of them are okay because there is this concept where we have an idea and there is this actual reality that we're living. So when you're living in this reality, you did your very, very best 
given the circumstances and the situations. You cannot live in a hypotheticals. That is my number one thing that I would like to say, no matter what the situation is, whatever has happened up to now, if you're approaching or already in menopause, it's okay. You're not trying to convince anybody, including yourself, that you could have done better. So please accept that as the beautiful gift of life that you lived up to now. Being a woman in the yogi culture is one of the most powerful evolutionary gifts that uh, it brings. There cannot be peace without acceptance. Absolutely. Right? Yes. In it, you accept that you have done all these things in your life and made the best choices given the circumstances will actually help to make inner peace more quickly. Mm -hmm. So is that what they mean when Ayurveda refers to the menopausal years and beyond as the age of wisdom? It's just having that wisdom that who we are presently is all, it's a manifestation of our own reality. And that yes. that's the acceptance piece. We try to focus on manifestation as something like it's a technique or something you focus on something, it happens and all of these things. But if you look at it, whether from a scientific perspective or from a spiritual perspective, right? So the only way manifestation happens when there's resonance. Vibration. Yes. So when you okay. match the vibration or the frequency of the same thing, that's only when manifestation happens until that resonance of vibration is there, the manifestation cannot and will not happen. If you wanna look at a broader reality, the manifestation is not like something is happening for you. Everything exists at all given points of time. Right. You just have okay. to resonate with it and then you, it comes into your life. So you're not creating it, it already exists as all the, as a terms of possibilities. I wanna explore this a little bit more. It's, I find this fascinating. And there's so much talk now about manifesting your abundance. Manifesting your health and everything. And your health. That's right. And it's just a matter of bringing it in. How do you get your, your vibration to resonate with what it is that you want? So where does the desire come from? So if you go in that route, where does the desire come from? The desire comes from some kind of an information, some kind of a thought. Right. So where is the thought coming from see this idea that thought comes from our brain is actually not practical because our body is an instrument okay and we are tuning this instrument to receive information just like in a television if you if you're watching an elephant in a television if you open the television the elephant's not going to be there true Right, it's a wave that's going through. This right. instrument catches that wave, and just like that, our brain is an instrument that's able to capture the information. Okay. When you put the channel, it sets that frequency, and then you see what's coming in the channel. It's more important than hyper focusing on a specific manifestation. Raise your vibration at that level, right? So you think you want something, but at that vibration or even higher, you may be able to get something even more beautiful than you ever thought. The goal should be focusing and keeping and maintaining our vibration as high as possible instead of focusing on what we can get. Because universe is extremely intelligent. 
And this is one of the questions I ask my students often. Do you think you're more intelligent than the universe? And most of the time people say we are not. So immediately that gives us uh, a relief from wanting to do the best, trying to know everything and everything else. If you could do one thing every day in your life, maintain your vibration as high as possible. Instead of focusing what kind of car you want, what kind of house you want, all of these things. And I am a proponent, a strong proponent of living your life in a wealthy, comfortable, luxurious way. Beautiful. I'm not asking if you're a spiritual person, you need to live like a poor person. Like, no, if you're a spiritual person, live like a king. Drive a Ferrari or Lamborghini or travel in private jets, all of them, and live in a beautiful, luxurious place. So... But how do you get there is like trying to maintain the vibration, letting go of any idea that any desire is good or bad. Right. If you have a desire for something, it's a good or a bad thing. And we can take the conversation about any aspect. If somebody wants to have a relationship with a partner because they have more money, that's OK. There's nothing wrong with it. Right. Why should that be a bad thing? Only thing is be transparent and honest about it. There's no need for anybody to say, oh, I want to be with a beautiful woman. That's not bad. I want to be with a rich man. It's not bad. I want to be with a specific age or a specific hair color or eye color, all of them. It's not bad. I want to live in a specific lifestyle. No, it's all of them are okay. Mm -hmm. These desires come as a resonance of what we want to experience. So it's like an experience of what we want to have. And this is the same thing in relationships or same thing in our own healing journey. How does it feel? Many times we understand intellectually or read and have an intellectual awareness, but the experiential awareness is significantly different. Once you have the experiential awareness, your understanding is significantly more and deeper and profound. Beautiful. It's like when you go on that perfect holiday that you've been envisioning and you've got pictures in your <laughs> mind of what's going to be like on the beach or by the beautiful seashore. Mm -hmm. I know in my experience, I've been to some, I've been blessed to be some beautiful places around the world, but my memory of that place after the vacation, I, I will forget that I may have gone on a, a donkey ride on the side of a, a trail on a mountainside. You know, I'll remember, I won't remember details that my daughter will remember. But what I do remember is how I felt in the moment when I was, say, sitting on the beach and when I had some time to myself to meditate or when I was watching the sunrise and I was doing yoga on my mat. It's that that I remember most because it was the most profound experience in the moment. But if I were to close my eyes, I could have that same experience in the middle of a Canadian winter in a blizzard and it wouldn't matter, but we put this so much expectation on the place has to be just right. When I go inward, I can have that same lived experience and all the external factors don't matter. You know, it's very interesting you say that. I was just listening to one of the lectures from this very profound teacher called Nisargadatta Maharaj. He grew up in the around the slums of Mumbai. He was meditating, he got his enlightenment and everything else. Then he decided, okay, he should go to Himalayas 
and start meditating there because he was a enlightened being. He shouldn't be in the slums of Mumbai. But then he started walking towards it. And then he realized, wait a second, if I'm able to experience the same thing, why should I go there? I should stay where I am and create the space where I am. So he ended up staying in the slums of Mumbai instead of going to this beautiful Himalayas where he could have this sacred place to meditate. So it's very much what you're saying. It's like we can create where we are with the powers that we have already and we can evolve in that space. And it's a perfect segue to that menopause experience. We have the social construct that says it's such a horrible time in a woman's life or the negative connotations that are attached to menopause, the change, you know, you're going crazy. It's the end of your fertile years as you were alluding mm-hmm. to earlier. But what you've just shared with us is that it begins with a mindset that I'm mm-hmm. going to enter into this new phase of my life. And I might not be the same person who I was coming out of it, but that's okay. The experience of that journey is all up to me. It's all up to the woman and how she wants that experience to be. The struggle is probably more of our thoughts. I mean, these these are real lived experiences, what we feel physically, yes. But it's how we are with those physical changes and those physical symptoms that dis- that help us decide or or will make and break our experience. It's, yes. it's the mind, yeah. mindset. And with that mindset, you add and bring the right tools okay. and right people, right system and right community. Humans are social beings mm-hmm. and especially women, they need that community support. It's a biological necessity for women to have the support of the woman network. Once you understand it's a biological and hormonal change, how do you navigate that? Because we know it's going to happen. Most people experience this, the flip side of it, in the puberty, when all these hormones are coming up into the same situation that people don't know what's going on. And we talk about the adolescence and the puberty, age of puberty is very difficult for young people because of the same situation. It's these emotions are giving rise, the hormones are giving rise to these emotions and these emotions are being triggered and they don't know where to put it, what to place it. And they have this infinite amount of questions with no place to find the answers. And the same thing is happening again. So, and this transition, how can you manage any kind of transitions and how can you manage any kind of change and fluctuations in the hormones and mm-hmm. we know it's going to happen how do you balance how do you strengthen your hormones and glands when the functioning changes and there are very powerful yogic techniques breathing techniques hand gestures and mudras and with the right order right system the right balance it will make the menopause almost effortless or almost unnoticeable and very graceful that's what the yogic system teaches when a when a woman is having a lifestyle that she's lived all her life then the menopause doesn't even make that much of a difference because people don't even notice it because yes they know it's going to change but it's not going to make that much of an impact 
And of course, the common thing we talk about, the symptoms, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, being a man, I may not be aware of these things. <laughs> the hot flashes and uh, lack of sleep, mm-hmm. the appetite, I mean, mostly loss of appetite, but it may go up and down also. Mm-hmm. And all of these are very common symptoms of hormonal fluctuations. In Ayurveda, we talk about body types. There's three major body types, Vata, Pitta, and Kapha. And each one of them process it differently. So if a woman is Vata, for instance, which is predominantly a combination of air and ether or space, so they handle the emotions much differently than a Kapha woman, okay. which is earth and water. The same with the person that's uh, Pitta, which is fire and air. And then it's not just three, there's a combination. Most people have, don't have just one. They usually have combination of two dominant ones. And there's people that have three, tridoshic also. Okay. So it's important for you to understand what's your body type, which is you can take a quiz or just do the pulse reading or look at your body type and can identify it fairly quickly. You can also do it astrologically. So once you identify it, then you can actually see, okay, this is my body type. What is the right tools for me that will alleviate a lot of struggles that people have to go through because doing the right thing at the right time in the right proportion is significantly more important doing a lot of things and when you don't know when you're doing so these tools would include your dinachara your daily practice Mm -hmm. foods and the spices absolutely and then eating for the seasons, correct? Eating for the season, you're absolutely right. Because the daily practice is what we call dinacharya. And the rutucharya is what we call seasonal changes, right? Okay. So the spring, or the, I mean, the fall just started in the Northern Hemisphere and spring in the Southern Hemisphere. So the, the common thing in the fall is it will help you to be more grounded and eat more grounding vegetables. I always make a joke about this because Starbucks is so in tune bringing out the uh, pumpkin spice latte (laughs) because pumpkin and is very good for the season right and there are there are some people especially some of the women that I know they're really really love salads and salads are not ideal for the fall but if you do want to eat salads increase the amount of oil or fat that goes in it right and add some spices and spices Fantastic. doesn't mean increase more chilies or pepper, but there's multiple types of spices that go spices or like this hundreds of different spices you can add to make the salads more nourishing for the fall. So this is Rutucharya. Just like we talked about Vata, Pitta and Kapha. So it changes in a day, in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening, the Vata, Pitta, Kapha changes. Okay. So changes in the age of a person's life. So there's a Vata stage, there's a Pitta stage, and there's a Kapha stage of each person's life. So generally Kapha is considered more prudent, strong, a little slow, and systematic and methodical, all of that. So when people are coming towards a menopausal age, there's more Kapha tendencies. But if they also have a strong Vata, for instance, so you need to balance both. So it could be like starting with the right amount of right kind of tea or right kind of rituals, like putting oil oil on your body that increases or reduces the air and increases the kapha. So that helps 
women to balance the doshas and that helps balance the hormones and that helps it make it easy for them. In example, like different kinds of doshas have different kinds of oils that we use. Okay. And that itself makes a difference in how a woman is going to feel. Just applying oil on your body five minutes before you take a shower and go. And of course, if you have more time, it's okay. It will be helpful. But if you're a busy person that don't have a lot of time, just in the bathroom before you go jump in the shower, just apply for a few minutes, that can make a huge difference. And now then we're not talking any specialty oils. These are can be simple as what, like coconut, sesame? Coconut, sesame, castor, and each yes, depends sure. on the body type. And of course, there's medicated oils that we can find also, like if you're some, something serious is going on. Mm-hmm. But some of the basic oils, yes, like sesame for vata typically, coconut, you can, anybody can use it, castor. This is incredible. And I know that the listeners are just going to grab onto this. It's, it's very fascinating. I found it fascinating so much so that I actually did a, <laughs> a little course on Ayurveda so I could understand it and be able to offer some natural healing modalities for menopausal women but i'm going to put a quiz in the show notes so people can have a a general idea what they're leaning towards that's incredible it's the awareness is the key to our health it changes so if you took a quiz two years ago it can be dramatically different now the seasons of our lives are seasons and also lifestyle there's a predisposition based on your birth and your body but also changes with your lifestyle and and sometimes people try to like identify, oh, this is a better body type than this. Like, no, there's nothing like that. Each person's body type is unique and everything is necessary and distributed. And we don't have to say, oh, this person's skinny, they're better. Like, no, nothing like that. There's no glorification or saying which one is better. You just have to follow a different protocol for different body types and different protocol for different stages of your life. I am so glad you said that because we hang too much emphasis on body composition. What's right, what's beautiful, what's glorified. In the perimenopause phase, that three to four years prior to menopause is when we'll experience the most body composition changes. And Mm -hmm. this is the most detrimental time for many women who beat themselves up and go through some terrible anxiety and depression over it because their body composition is changing. I really appreciate the fact that you said that that the body composition is going to be different regardless. Yeah. And it's going to change, but there's still, we are still in control. We still have choices to make. Like you had explained lifestyle choices that allow us to work through the change, but that acceptance piece of the body composition and how we are naturally as a human being, And that takes us right back to what you said at the very beginning about the acceptance. I feel that the more knowledge we can provide that, that awareness piece through education, you know, the Ayurvedic principles is sound knowledge that empowers women. Knowledge is power and power is, is the difference between you choosing what's right for you or being told and led down a path that just causes further angst and anxiety. Understanding is not just one aspect that defines you. Mm-hmm. That's what creates the anxiety. That what, that's what creates the imbalance. Okay. Saying, oh, I'm losing this part, so I'm no longer as valuable or no longer, I'm gaining weight. I'm getting weaker. I'm not as strong. I can't move as fast. All of these things happen. But no, that's one aspect. There's, as when you look at the bigger picture, there's other aspects of you that are shining more than now, right? 
So there's this aspect of you that was shining more at this point, and now that this aspect is shining more, even more, because this is no longer relevant to you. When I see this, and I often say this to people, when you're feeling like uh, you don't see the full picture, you're getting anxious, you feel like you're gonna explode, expand the picture, expand the picture, expand the picture, get more context, which will give you and your family and your children and all of them to see a bigger picture of you. The biggest challenge for a lot of people is like, oh, I was able to do this for my husband, my family, my kids, all of these things, I can't do this anymore. So they need to show this isn't the only thing they were able to provide, even though that was probably the most necessary thing for a while. Now there's bigger picture. They can add more value, not just one aspect or one part of the life that was being available. And that may be even better and more beautiful for everyone. So don't limit yourself and define yourself as one small aspect. If you're able to manage the hormonal system, the glandular system with the right diet, and there's some small supplements that you can take that can help that nobody will even notice you're going through this phase, including yourself, because it will be so smooth. And that is the goal for us to make sure this happens. Like you said, and that is that true wisdom piece. You know, so many cultures, they revere their elders as, as the wise women of the community because they've arrived at this certain mm -hmm. level of intelligence, knowledge, experience, a lived experience. And this is part of the paradigm shift I'm hoping to see because us Gen X women and, and the earlier millennials are entering into the perimenopause phase. We need to do it gracefully. We are the mentors and the leaders mm -hmm. of our children. So that when our children are getting to this phase, it's like a no-brainer. Why did you guys sweat over it? It's just the way it is. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is if I may, the I'll take a slightly different context. Like, for example, they say if a woman practices yoga from the mm -hmm. age of eight, she's going to have the most graceful puberty without all the struggles that a woman, that the young woman that doesn't practice yoga. Same thing applies here. So a woman doesn't need to wait till she's hitting a menopause or perimenopause. If she starts integrating these lifestyles, these habits at any point of life as early as possible, like right now. So when it actually comes to it, you're not trying to add something new into your life. It is part of your life and you just start navigating it very smoothly. And that is the goal. I appreciate mm -hmm. all the time. Yoga meaning to yoke bring together the union of the feminine and the masculine. And mm -hmm. in doing so is where we find balance. We have the Ida in the Pingala and where they crisscross on the spine is where we have those seven energetic centers, the chakras. Mm -hmm. So by finding that union or balance mm -hmm. of masculine and feminine and letting that, that balance of energies happen, we are aligning the chakras which are associated with the endocrine system so the seven chakras are what we call seven maha chakras or seven great chakras okay mm -hmm. so there's about 114 chakras right uh, and these energy centers are not just a metaphysical or spiritual concepts so the energy that comes is an intersection from a multi multi-dimensional uh, space so the, if you bring it down to like, let's say a two-dimensional figure to understand is better, let's look at as a roundabout. There's multiple points intersecting at a roundabout and the energy keeps flowing. 
This is happening in a three or higher dimension. So the energy coming from here, here, here. So these are the points of intersection and the energy keeps moving and moving and moving up and up and up and up, right? So these are the chakras, the energy centers. And surrounding these energy centers, there are organs, there are glandular systems. And any imbalance in these chakras, in these areas, are usually triggered by an imbalance in those organs or vice versa. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So if there's a block in the chakra, for example, because of the emotion, right? And that affects those organs. And if your lifestyle, for whatever reason, is affecting those organs, then in turn, those affect those chakras. So we have Ida and Pingala, we call it nadis. There's three main nadis, Ida, Pingala, and Sushmana. Sushmana is a central channel. And we can look at it, if you look at the logo or signs of the most of the medical societies, it has a staff with two ends going around. And there's a three and a half points that you see majorly. When we do some meditations, we talk about these three points where you move the energy around. And there's three points of intersection. And we call this 72,000 nadis. And when the energy is moving through our Ida and Pingala, and when it goes up and you see this here, like this two, two heads of the serpent mm-hmm. that's falling. So it falls into what we call Sushmana, the central channel. When people talk about the Kundalini awakening, that's what the energy is moving through. So the dormant energy of Kundalini is at the base of the spine. And for most people, when they have a healthy lifestyle, it moves between the chakras one, two, and three, which is at our navel center the third chakra and to move from there higher up to your heart center your throat your agnya chakra and your sahasrara and all of them so you need to have some kind of a spiritual practice between the one two three you can live a healthy functioning life between the one two three chakras your survival feeling of safety creativity sexuality and confidence and power and willpower all of them between these one, one, two, three chakras, right? So, and each one of these chakras are responsible for a specific hormone, right? Okay. And, And we can also translate that to an emotion as well as a hormone because every emotion is coming as a release of a biochemical compound from into our bloodstream. When we learn to balance these hormones, these glandular system, these chakras, and these emotions, it becomes very easy to navigate the glands and the hormones. There's a particularly useful and more powerful practice of yoga called Kundalini Yoga. And the typically what takes about eight to 10 or even 12 years, you can achieve the same results in Kundalini yoga. And that's why it's considered one of the most powerful. And also sometimes people consider it's dangerous. Of course, there's nothing wrong with dangerous. You just have to know how to navigate it and how to use it, right? If you follow the right instructions, it's not dangerous, it's powerful, right? Just like the electricity is dangerous if you don't know how to use it. If you take a pencil and go in the socket, it's dangerous. But if you plug in the light bulb, you can light you light the house right so the same thing with kundalini yoga if you working with the proper instruction working with the proper tools working with the right set of instructions 
it will be very powerful and very useful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Kundalini yoga is mainly composed of what we call Kriyas. Kriya, by definition, means completed action. Okay. So what is a Kriya? So it incorporates postures or asanas, right. breath work or pranayam, chanting or mantras, eye focus or drishti, uh, <clears throat> hand gestures or mudras, body locks. All of them are some of them combined in a specific sequence for the right amounts of time in the right order that will give a very precise result. Mm -hmm. So Kundalini yoga is a very precise technology. It gives the repeatable results with a consistent practice. So no matter who does it, the results are going to be the same. Well, of course, within small deviation of the person's fitness and how precisely they're doing it. There are Kriyas for almost everything. There's Kriyas for physical, like working with your back pain or shoulders or hips or legs, working with the pain of them. And there are Kriyas for balancing the hormones. There's Kriyas to improve your memory. There's Kriyas to improve spiritually, like improve your intuition. So this Kriyas for both tangible, intangible, physical, intellectual, all aspects of our life. And we can choose a particular Kriya and work on them to help strengthen that part of our life or heal that part of our life. There's even Kriyas for relationship, manifesting wealth. These Kriyas are manipulating and managing your vibration. So mm -hmm. basically everything we do, every activity in our life is adjusting our vibration. Okay. And we have a tendency or a baseline, but every day you keep raising the vibration, you're changing the baseline. That's what we want. We don't want to reach a spike and say, oh, I achieved this one day. No, that should be our baseline. That should be a consistency. Or as a matter of fact, that should be our bottom line. You should never go below that line. I often give example with uh, money in this case, right? Because it's easy to understand numbers. So let's say if you make a million dollars and uh, you're happy, and then you spend and spend, spend, you go back, and then you feel like, okay, you're stressed about it. But then you get to a point where you make uh, one and a half million and then half a million go up and down, your baseline becomes one million. Mm -hmm. And then you go even higher, let's say you go to like two and a half million and your baseline is, your bottom line is one million. You should never go below one million. Okay. Right? So the same thing for emotions, same thing for glandular system, same thing for your stress levels. You raise your vibration high enough. So even when you're feeling the lowest, your low is still higher than high, high of what it used to be. Am I making sense? Absolutely. So for, I'm going to put in context for the menopausal woman. She should never enter into menopause and let her emotional well-being, her physical, her mental well-being, maybe even her status drop mm -hmm. just because she's entered this new season of her life. Exactly. She's established a strong baseline and, and it could be anywhere on the ladder. Yeah. High up if she's been 
somebody who's you know physically fit and minding her disposition, her nutrition, maybe mm-hmm. meditation and spiritual well-being exactly. is well established. But no matter where we are entering menopause, we should never diminish, give up, no. quit on what we've already established as our baseline. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. There's no reason yeah. to. And providing other aspects, like I said, one of them is family and community. It's not an easy conversation for most people to have because they don't have a context. So expand the picture. I am not just this, I am all of this. It brings more people, more awareness of the person's inherent value and gifts. Awesome. So I'm going to summarize what you kind of said, because I've been experiencing this in my household as I progress through the perimenopause perimenopause phases and I can identify them I'm lucky because I've had the background and the training now as a a doula but there are moments still that I get caught up in what I'm feeling physically or emotionally and then I don't see how it's impacting my family so when they want to come to me with conversation and they're feeling this like we know you're in this new phase mom there's a there's an immediate knee-jerk reaction for me to recoil And say, wait a second, I deserve the space to go through this because I've been there to help you through, you know, your puberty, or I've been there to help you through your change. Your diaper. Or your diaper, yes. (laughs) Or retiring from your job. Yeah. So what you're saying is we should peel back and say, I am still this loving mother, a loving wife. We have a beautiful family and a wonderful home over our head. Let's find gratitude and beauty in that. And remember, that is our foundation, our baseline. And so wherever we are in the ebb and flows of life changes, we will do the work together as a family instead of making it all about that one singular thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. All the contributions, like you said, all the travels that you've done together, all the experiences you've shared together. (sighs) And all the lessons you've learned together, all the healings that have happened together, all of them are part of you. You cannot just identify on one small aspect during a transition and say that's what's impacting. And that's actually in in many cultures, they actually even talk about women actually going to higher states of enlightenment after menopause. There is this release of this responsibility of uh, procreation and the evolutionary aspects and everything else. So they can feel more connected to their own spiritual evolution, their own spiritual growth, uh, instead of taking care of the other aspects of your life. It's kind of what you were saying at one point in a conversation, there is like these wise women that come when they're a little older, it's coming because they're no longer factored in the equation of procreation. They've release that responsibility, that obligation to younger generations. So they're mainly focused on providers of the wisdom and holding space intellectually and emotionally, and perhaps even culturally in many cases. You be containers of many things, emotion, intelligence, culture, all of them becomes very valuable. And that's why we always love going to our grandmas to have their food, listen to the stories. Instead of saying we are losing something, it's also you're gaining something very powerful and very beautiful. That's so true. It's an evolution. It's a transformation. We're not the vessels that 
give birth to life where we become these vessels that give birth to stability, wisdom, knowledge. And in that, there's just as much nurturing as bringing a child into the world. Yep. Getting back to the Kundalini yoga, important message that you had shared was it's not a practice just you want to do on your own. You want to be led by somebody who's experienced with this. It would be ideal because mm -hmm. Kundalini yoga is powerful. There's plenty of content everywhere these days. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you find a teacher online or in person, it may be very useful to work with them. See, many times we don't need to focus on one thing. You start building everything and everything starts balancing itself out. And for me, start creating and building things, especially your vibration, before you actually have to work on something. There's some beautiful teachers around the world, no matter where people are. But if you're somewhere where you're close to me or you want to find classes online, I do teach classes on a regular basis. Uh, and I also just started teaching some courses in the last few months. And it's been very uh, useful because people like a start date and an end date, and then they can practice on their own. But there's a daily classes that doesn't end. It, it would be very powerful and healing for people to at least experience it. And if you can give yourself 10 to 11 weeks and you will notice a huge difference. Please tell me you're gonna build a course on the Ayurvedic lifestyle principles and the doshas. With Ayurveda, definitely. Chakras is one of my favorite conversations because when we talk about chakras, like for instance, we talk about chakra here in the Agnya chakra, but there's chakras here, like seven more chakras right here. But depending upon which point you activate or touch, it has a very specific function. Those are what's considered the minor chakras? Those are minor chakras, exactly, right? And there's 84 points inside your throat, inside your wow. upper palate, right? So when we chant mantras, that's what getting pushed. Wow. Right? I did not know that. Yeah. And there's chakras here, there's seven chakras right in your heart center, like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, right? And there's chakras in your side, not just like on the, along the spine, there's chakras right close to your kidneys area. There's, there's chakras in different parts of our body. And these also work as points that we can trigger to activate the energy. One of my courses recently, uh, a specific thing that happens for somebody on their tongue, there's a chakra called Talana chakra in your mouth, and that stimulates a specific part of their life. I don't want to disclose too much private information here, but each of these chakras are very, very specific. For this person, when I gave particular information about these chakras, it was very necessary and changed how they manage their daily life. So these vast amounts of information we are carrying and our human body is so wise, we just need to know how to navigate this powerful instrument, right? I often say most people are using this instrument like a little bicycle, pushing it around and saying, why is it so difficult? And we're not an instrument that you're gonna push around or ride, pedal around like a little bicycle you enter into your cockpit there, like a spaceship, there's a thousand different controls, you can push, you're gonna fly at a thousand feet or 5,000 feet or 10,000 feet, then it feels smooth sailing. 
But if you try to fly your plane on a busy street, you're going to be bumpy, hitting everything, breaking things. So it's designed to fly at a specific altitude. We just need to learn the controls. Yeah, tune into it, tap into it. A great way to summarize what it is that's happening in our bodies and our energy centers, navigating the change, tapping into the hormones for balance. Where can people find you online? I have a website, prakashchegu.com. Okay. Also my Instagram and also Facebook. Those are probably the social channels. My goodness. I want to bring you back more and more. We can have a specific, like we can actually talk about maybe one particular Kriya or something particularly instead of having very broad like we did today, like more like an introduction. And perhaps we can do one more on like, I can identify specific herbs in Ayurveda, which yes. will help. And that may also be very useful, like more practical, not just a conceptual. Also, That's we can. Fantastic. It's a deal. Listeners, yeah. stay tuned. There is more fine tuning. We give you the stratosphere view from your 10,000 foot cockpit. <laughs> and now we're going to get into those fine little tools and techniques. This has been a blessing for me. Thank you. Just mistakes. remember it. Being you is what you need to be, nothing else. Oh, I think I needed to hear that today. Yes. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, here are my takeaways from today's show. Tapping into alchemy of kundalini yoga. Kundalini yoga is an ancient practice with a transformative power to help women unlock their potential to find natural healing and energy as well as inner harmony two very beneficial qualities that will aid in the menopause transition. And number two, understanding Ayurvedic philosophy, traditions, and the doshas are significant for menopause management. Ayurveda offers a holistic and individualized approach to health and well-being. Knowing your unique constitution or your dosha, an Ayurvedic practitioner can tailor recommendations to address your specific needs to balance the doshas, including diet, herbs, and lifestyle adjustments that are aimed at supporting hormonal equilibrium. And if you want to find out your dosha, take the survey linked in the show notes. Number three, lifestyle adjustments. Ayurveda places importance on daily routines called the dinacharya and seasonal routines called the rutacharya. These routines can be adapted to address the unique challenges of menopause, on a day-to-day -day basis, as well as through the seasons of the year and the seasons of our lives. And number four, yoga and Ayurveda are ancient sister sciences and yoga practices geared toward chakra energy balancing, including breathwork, chants, mantras, and practicing the asanas or poses can bring massive benefits to the endocrine system. The endocrine system consists of glands that secrete hormones which regulate various bodily functions such as metabolism, growth, digestion, and immune response. So bringing these into balance can calm the nervous system, which spills over into our gut health and microbiome diversity and brain function. And if you want to learn more about the hormone gut cycle, check out my blog linked in the show notes. And number five. One effective means to bring about the energy balance is through the nadis, the 72,000 energy channels or pathways that run through the subtle body, much like the circulatory system in the physical body. 
And the three main nadis are the Ida nadi, which is associated with the lunar energy, the feminine, and is often linked to the left side of the body. And then there's the Pingala nadi, which is associated with the solar energy, the masculine, and that's associated with the right side of the body. And then you have the Shushumna nadi, the central channel that runs along the spine, connecting all the chakras, and it is associated with spiritual awakening, awakening of that Kundalini energy, a latent energy often depicted as a serpent coiled at the base of the spine. And when you're exploring the world of Kundalini awakening, it is highly advised to seek the expertise of a qualified and knowledgeable practitioner to guide you through the process properly. Do you need support through your menopause transition? A menopause doula can help. You can find me at mlcoaching.com. And help me help you by filling out a simple survey, which is linked in the show notes. Your input is greatly valued and will help in the design and creation of tools, courses, and other resources for my upcoming one-on-one and group coaching programs. Take the survey. It's linked in the show notes. Like, follow, share, subscribe. And if you are enjoying this podcast, I would love to hear from you. Consider leaving a review. Spreading the word will help broaden my audience reach and further impact more women as they experience the transition.